This is Wessler Media. For me, I'm a pastor, and I deal with real people, people just like you every day, people that have a hurt or they have something going on, and they're trying to figure out, how do I deal with this? And I always know Jesus has the answer. He has that next step for you. Let's open up the Word today and see what God will say specifically to you. So if I invited you to church lately, I want to. This is Pastor Doyle from The Church Next Door, and I want to invite you to join us here live at the church next door, because I believe it will change your life to stand in the room, to worship God, and to be around other people. So please go visit our website, thechurchnextdoor.org, and be a part of worship. So we've been talking about fantasy lately. We've been talking about the world we live in approaches us with a fantasy. And today, we're going to talk about whether or not you and I, as Christians, are allowed to have fun. Wow. So, Pastor Doug is here with me. Say hello. Hello, everyone. So, Pastor Doug, do you believe that we're allowed to have fun? I believe we are uh, called by God to have the greatest fun. Awesome. You got to know what fun really is. Once we fell from grace, we lost the ability to correctly define fun. That's right. We've redefined it according to what gratifies me in some ungodly ways at times. Absolutely. The other thing is... uh, how can we learn to guard our thinking or to manage it so we know what's good fun and what's not good for us that our world invites us to? You think we can do that? Uh, we need some help, but we're going to tell you where that help comes from today. That's awesome. So you're actually going to lead us through this lesson. Is that right? I'm looking forward to it. It was fun. That's great. So don't go anywhere. We're going to have some fun today on Your Next Step. You're familiar with Galatians chapter 5. That's where we get the fruit of the Spirit. Probably a lot of us here could recite that, could quote that. But prior to the fruit of the Spirit, we get a a different list, which is the desires of the flesh. Uh, Paul says, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. So he gives this list. I think there's 17, if I remember correctly, items on this list. Not exactly sure. These first three have to do with sexual misconduct. The next two, idolatry and witchcraft, worshiping other gods. The next several, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, uh, problems with your heart, your emotions. And then the last two, uh, drunkenness and orgies, are substance, misusing substances and being influenced uh, by them. Pastor Doyle wants us to focus on these first three, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. He told me, he did tell me, there's lots of hors d'oeuvres at the party. And that's true. You see at least four of them in this list. He wants us to focus for the time being, though, on this first one. Notice what Paul says about it. It's obvious. By which he means it's obviously wrong. It is obvious what this is. You guys are trying to redefine it. You're trying to justify it. You're trying to find some way to indulge in it that makes you feel good about yourselves. But it still is what it is. And that is obviously blatantly wrong, dangerous, sinful, hurtful, harmful. That's what Paul is saying here. Pastor Doyle put it this way. He says, um, our bodies are a reflection of what God is doing in us. Okay, And by body, we mean it. Not just uh, the appearance of our body, the health of our body, that might be part of it. But what comes out of our mouth, you know, what, what the Bible calls our countenance, our spirit, our attitude, what our hands do, what people see us doing, 
All of that is a reflection of what God is doing in us, or it could be a reflection of what the flesh, the world, the enemy is doing in us. It could be a reflection of how we have given into the fantasy. Well, here's the fantasy of the life of the party, particularly when it comes to sexual misconduct. Probably applies to the others as well, but this is the one that, that we wanted to hit on today. The fantasy is this doesn't hurt anybody. Nobody gets hurt but me, and I probably don't get hurt either, because it's just physical. It's just an act. It's just a thing that we do, and then we move on, and there's no ramifications. There's no consequences. Nobody gets hurt. This is a victimless crime. Uh, one of the fellows last night talked to me afterwards. We went out to get something, and he said, crime by definition cannot be victimless. I said, I agree, but this is the fantasy. This is a victimless crime. Scripture says otherwise. Go to Corinthians here. Again, we've, we've mentioned Colossians. We mentioned Galatians. Now we hit Corinthians. Here's what Paul says. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. You defile your body, Paul says, if you give in to this fantasy. If I mess up my house, I can get a new house. If I mess up my car, I can get a new car. If I mess up my possessions, I can get new possessions. What can I do if I've defiled my body? You can't trade it in. I've tried. I've wanted to. I wanted one that was taller. You know, can I, can I get a taller model? And maybe I don't need the spare tire. You know, you know, you can't do that. The body is all you have. And Paul says, if you give into this fantasy, you will defile it. Jude comments on this. We love the book of Jude. Jude, verse 10. There's no chapters in Jude, so just Jude 10. He says, these people, that's the false teachers that he he writes the entire book about. He says, they slander whatever they do not understand. That's a, a, a dirty tactic, but that's not where we are today. Save that for a different day. He goes on to say, the very things they do understand. So what they do not understand are spiritual things. That's that's the implication there. They don't understand the things of God. The things they do understand, the things of the flesh, by instinct, as irrational animals, will destroy them. So he says, these people are animalistic. How do animals operate? When you're an animal, it's all consumption, isn't it? Animals aren't trying to make the world a better place. They're not trying to love their neighbor as themselves. Animals are trying to eat and then create other little animals. That's all they're trying to do. He says these false teachers are like animals in the way they think, in the way they behave, and it will destroy them. Let me debunk this fantasy for you, my friends, that nobody gets hurt, that I'm only hurting myself. Let me do it with Orson Welles. Familiar with Orson Welles? You know, Citizen Kane and uh, in his latter years, he had trouble getting financing, but he did manage to make, out a, uh, make a couple movies. I found one of them on TV one day, came in through the middle, didn't really understand what was going on. But it's Orson Welles himself. He's walking down the street. He was in color. Citizen Kane's in black and white. This was in color. And uh, he was much older. And he's walking down the street, and he's got this big stogie in his mouth. Huge cigar. Now, all of my life, tobacco use has been isolated. I barely remember as a kid going into a restaurant and them asking smoking or non-smoking, you know. Even then they were kind of, now it's completely isolated. Every day as I leave the house, I see these women in front of this factory that they have forced them outside by the street. And that's where they have to have their cigarettes. So it's been completely isolated. But back then, dude's just walking down the street, smoking a cigar. And then he walks into a clothing store, a fur store. They had those back then too, with this cigar. 
Now, cigarettes are bad as far as odor is concerned, right? Cigars are nuclear, man. Have you ever smelled a cigar? They're rough. He takes it into a clothing store. He's smoking the cigar. He's the one doing it. Who's smelling it? Everybody's smelling it. He's creating an atmosphere, isn't he? He is putting things into the air. And I want to suggest to you that we are doing the very same thing when we give in to this fantasy. It's not that this is just me and I'm not hurting anybody else. No, we are creating an atmosphere that hurts everybody. Let me give you an example. A couple years ago, I guess, there was a a Super Bowl halftime show. My wife and I, we don't watch the Super Bowl halftime show. Uh, We've been repulsed by them for decades, I think. So we invite friends over. We have food. When the halftime show starts, we turn the TV off and we have 15 minutes of prayer and asking the Lord to, to speak to us. And then we go back to enjoying the game, right? But apparently, one of these halftime shows was two pop singers I guess they were wearing very little clothing and they were behaving very suggestively. That's pretty much all I knew. I go to my huddle, uh, which is my, my meeting with some other disciples, other followers of Jesus led by my mentor. We meet on Zoom. So I come into the huddle and they start talking about how this was empowering to women. That women were empowered by this halftime show. And I'm sitting there watching. Okay, I don't say anything at first. Now, there are some fellas that when they leave every Sunday, they tell me, stay out of trouble. Very hard for me to do. My mouth gets me in trouble quite often. So I listened to this discussion for as long as I could. And then finally I said, listen, if I'm empowering these women, I am depowering my wife. Because it's not just me watching that show. My wife is sitting on the couch next to me watch, watching me watch that show. And next to her is my daughter watching her watching me watch that show. It creates an attitude, an atmosphere, a spirit in my house, one that is threatening to these women. There are no women that I am supposed to, by the will of God, empower more than these two women. And if I empower any other women, I am doing the exact opposite of that. My wife has told me how she feels about these matters. She's right to feel that way. Some women have tried to convince. There there was a woman one time said, just let them look, just let them look. And even I was smart enough to know, no, that's garbage, man. Don't listen to that, you know? My daughter doesn't understand these things very well, but she knows that daddies sometimes leave their families because of other women, and she's very concerned about that. That's the atmosphere that I could create in my house. Tell me. I'm only hurting myself, right? That's what the fantasy says? Absolutely not. Let me give you another example. Our uh, home in California, we had this trail, four-mile-long trail, Um, sometimes I would run it, sometimes I'd walk it, sometimes I was biking it. One day I was biking it, and uh, there was a girl in front of me. She had a license tag on the back of her her bike that said Melanie. I don't know how old she was. I don't think she could be my daughter, but it wouldn't be far off, man. She was, you know, she was young, you know, not even on my radar, you know. Only my wife's on my radar, but she definitely wasn't on my radar. 
And her bike breaks. We get to the top of this hill and her chain pops off her bike. I see it happen. I see her stop. I go around her. I thought God told me to stop and help her. So that's what I did. I stopped, put the kickstand down. I go, and I try to be like this nice guy. And I was like, hey, Melanie, you got a problem with your bike? She stiffened it up. And she says, no, no, thank you. I'm okay. I've got it. Go away. And I was so shocked that I did. <laughs> you know, I just, I didn't say anything to her. I just turned around and left. And I was a little offended by that, a little hurt. But I go and tell my wife and she says, you can't go up to, to women on the trail. You know, they're, they're afraid. I don't think I'm that terrifying looking. I mean, maybe I am, but not in that way. You know what I'm saying? It's not like I came out of the bushes and said, hey, Melanie, you know. It, we're on the top of a hill. There were two people sitting on a bench. There's sunshine. It's middle of the day. You could see the hill from the entire valley. I just want, I didn't want anything from her. I just wanted to fix her bike. But I understand. Still kind of hurt my feelings a little bit, but I understand. That girl feels threatened and legitimately so because we have created a society that is threatening to women, right? Okay, they are not empowered. They are used, they are consumed, and they are thrown away. And they know it, and they're now on their guard because of it. I read an article a couple of weeks ago. The guy said, when Western civilization falls... It is going to be because we have embraced and allowed sexual misconduct. We have allowed this to happen. That is why the Roman Empire fell. It is why Western civilization will fall as well. Not simply because those acts in and of themselves are wrong, are fantasies, but because they create this atmosphere that is damaging to women and damaging to kids and damaging to men as well. And that's the party that Pastor Doyle wants us to turn away from. What he wants us to turn to is a different kind of party, and this is the uh, uh, third idea that he has. He says, are we not allowed to have fun? Common question. People ask me this all the time. You Christians don't have fun. You Christians aren't allowed to have fun. No, we're, we're allowed to have fun. God wants us to have fun. God wants us to go to the party. He just wants us to go to the right party. He wants us to throw the right parties, to hosts host the right parties. We see this in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew, the tax collector, has turned to the Lord uh, from his fantasy. I don't know if it was a party fantasy or not, but he was bilking people for money. He's turned away from that. Now he's with Jesus, and he invites some of his friends, other tax collectors, people who were living a, a rougher lifestyle, invites them to come meet Jesus at a party. The Pharisees see this, who again were engaging in the party themselves in a different way, and they critique it. And they say, why uh, to the disciples, a little bit underhanded here, they question the disciples rather than Jesus, why does, does your master eat with tax collectors and sinners? I don't know what the disciples said. The text does not record it. What we're told is that Jesus took control of this discussion himself. I don't know how that happened. Uh, I, I think Jesus just said, nope, I'm going I'm to take this one, boys. And he says to them, listen, I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners. That's why I eat with tax collectors and sinners. That's why I'm at this party. I'm not there to be influenced by them. I'm there to influence them. So again, they, I have heard people quote this, say, oh, see, yeah, Jesus would party. Hard to tell. You know, maybe he was having some libations. Maybe he was telling some jokes. No. Okay, Jesus did not go to the party to be influenced by the party. Jesus went to the party to influence 
the party. Jesus did not come to uh, indulge in their unrighteousness. He came to invite them into his righteousness. That is what he's doing here. Pastor Doyle says we can do the same thing. He gives us three simple steps here. First, welcome Jesus and his disciples into our life. Of course, that is how it starts. You can't share with others what you don't have yourself. That's what Matthew did. We welcome Jesus into our life. Second, invite some of our friends to join the party. Who's around you? Who's in your circle? You come and you get them and you bring them in. And then lastly, he says, there's going to be resistance. Some will be confused. They're not going to leave their party and come into Jesus' party right away. That's absolutely true. I wonder what it was like for Jesus at this party. I really did. You know somebody came up to him and used language that you shouldn't be using around Jesus or using period, right? You know somebody came to him and said, Jesus, watch me chug this beer. Or, you know, I don't know if they had beer back then at mead or something. I don't know. But, hey, Jesus, watch me chug this. I, I, I would like to see how Jesus brought righteousness uh, into that. Still something I'm working on, but I know that he did. That was his party, not the libations, not the language, not the jokes, not whatever, however people were carrying on there. He came to influence the party. And I do think that's fun. I mean, you could look at it and say, that's not fun. Well, let me tell you something. You learned your definition of fun. The things that you think are fun are not just things that you think are fun. They are things that other people told you are fun. Somebody came and said, this is fun, and you believe them. All taste is learned. All taste is developed. I, I heard uh, a couple weeks ago that uh, people in the UK, British people, don't like peanut butter and jelly because they never had it as kids. See, we were given it as kids. Mom made peanut butter and jelly, shoved it in our mouth. We ate enough of it. We liked it. We still like it to this day, right? Never happened in the UK. So they come over here and they see peanut butter and jelly. They think it's gross, they just didn't learn a taste for that. Um, I had to learn a taste for sushi. Love sushi. But the first time that, that my uh, mentor took me out for sushi, I got sashimi. Uh, sashimi is just, it's not a roll. It's just, it's just the fish. And I put that in my mouth, and man, was that hard to chew and swallow. You know, now I love it, right? Uh, I love something called haggis that most people don't like, okay? It's a Scottish dish. It's uh, deer, liver, and heart. It's, it's a sausage, basically. You chop it up and you mix it with oats. And, you know, if I gave it to you in sausage form, you wouldn't really know what it was and you would eat it. Uh, it does have a strong venison flavor, but I was used to that because dad hunt, hunted when I was little. He got venison. I ate it. I was used to that flavor. And I liked it. All of, of your tastes are learned. Well, your love for the party and the things of the party is, is learned as well. Here's a little story. I've never told this to women before, but I've told it to men, and they've all understood exactly what I was saying. Some of them had the exact same experience. I remember being a kid watching uh, Laverne and Shirley reruns on syndication, right? And there's Laverne and Shirley, and there's Lenny and Squiggy, the two fellas that are hanging out with them. And during the credits of that show, which you'd always see the credits. The show's different, but the credits are always the same. There was one part where this woman, and I can't even remember what she looks like today. I think she had big blonde hair, but I don't know. This woman walks past Lenny and Squiggy, and one of them, I think it's Lenny, but I really can't tell the difference between the two of them. One of them went like this. He like, remember that? Okay, so you remember what I'm talking about. He like bit it, and what he was saying is like, that's how gorgeous this woman is. I'm like biting myself, right? What that show very clearly communicated, I didn't understand at the time, wasn't mature enough to understand at the time, was not 
skilled and knowledgeable in the ways of the Lord to resist the fantasy that was coming at me. But what that clearly communicated to me was, you're supposed to lust after women. It's what you're supposed to do. Look at that. The enemy was wor- the enemy didn't wait till I became mature and able to defend myself, right? The enemy came when I was a kid and didn't know any better and said, you should like this. And it's the same with substances. It's the same with our language. It's the same with our jokes and our sense of humor. We learned all of that. Somebody else came and told us this is good and we believed them. And what I am suggesting to you is that right now God is coming in and saying, you can learn a different taste. I can teach you to enjoy something else that is better by far, that is real, that won't break its promises to you, that will meet its expectations to you, that, that, that you will be pleased with forever when you enter glory. Do, do you understand? We are going to enter eternity and we will be able to look back and say, man, I'm glad that I did this and this and this. And that is what God is inviting us into today. So let's bring it home. Pastor Noel says, guard our thinking, check our behavior. He gives us two verses here. The first is from Hebrews. The author of Hebrews says, uh, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation was first announced by our Lord and confirmed by those who heard him and the Holy Spirit testifies to it as well. So he says there's this thing called salvation, which there is. There are two salvations. There's salvation from the penalty of the party you know, the the punishment that we deserve for indulging in the party. But there's also salvation from the power of the party, the changing of our tastes. And Pastor Doyle says that comes from Christ. Does not come from imaginations, does not come from fantasies. It is Jesus who brings us that salvation. He then gives us um, Corinthians here. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, he says, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it or maybe escape it. There is a way out of the party. Many of us feel trapped in the part life in the fast lane. You ever heard that eagle song? Surely make you lose your mind, right? You just get trapped by the party. No, there's a way out of the party. And if you would like that, that way, if you would like God to pull you out of the party today, I have a little prayer that I would like us to pray together. Here it is. Take a look real quick. I want us to pray this together simultaneously. If you don't want to, that's fine. But if you uh, are, are convicted here that this is what I need to do, this is the prayer for you, okay? Are you ready? Let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, I confess I have been bewitched by the fantasy of the party. I ask you now to provide a way out for me. Change my tastes. Make me the life of your party. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Miss part of the show today and want to hear more? Well, you are invited to download and subscribe to Your Next Step on all major podcasting platforms. You know, prayer changes our lives. Prayer of agreement is powerful. Well, we're together right now. What are we waiting for? Have you asked God for a vision? Well, let's do it today. Lord, your word says that 
Without a vision, your people perish. And God, sometimes we just go through life and we don't really see what you're doing or we haven't even asked you to show us. And so today we come before you in the name of Jesus and we ask you to open our eyes, open our ears that we might hear from you. Give us a vision. When, when John had a vision from you, we got the book of Revelation. And God, he saw your kingdom and he saw what you were doing in the earth. And God, today we come before you in Jesus' name and we're saying, God, forgive us. We've been so self-centered that we haven't asked you, what is it you want to show us? And so today we say, show us, open our eyes and our ears, help us to see what you're doing in the earth. Would you show us what you're trying to bring about, your purposes? Begin to cause your word to come alive in us. As we read your word today, Lord, speak to us and show us how it fits with your vision for our life, our our calling from you and, and our, our position in Christ Jesus and how it's supposed to be walked out. In, in Acts 17, it says in verses 26 and 27 that, that you put us in the times, the exact times and places that you wanted us to be so that we would seek you and hopefully find you. And so today, we know that you have us in this time and season that we might pry... Pray this prayer that we might ask you to give us a vision for our life. Help us to begin to see ourselves as a kingdom person, someone that lives under the authority of King Jesus. May we begin to have boldness and courage to step out and represent you every day, to share the love of Jesus, to share the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to tell our testimony and how our life has been transformed. Today, God, we're saying yes to you. We're putting our resignation on the table from our own ways. We are no longer doing that. And we're saying, yes, we take the job of following you, of serving you. Give us a vision for your kingdom, for your glory. That's our prayer for your glory. Amen. Hey, thank you for praying with me. You know, I believe prayer is powerful. We should pray first and ask questions later. And if you'd like to be a part of the prayer ministry or part of this ministry, I ask you to go to yournextstepnow.com. That's right, yournextstepnow.com. Give us your email address, and we'll give you our free ebook. It's a prayer guide, a daily prayer guide right there for you every day. Be a part of the ministry of The Church Next Door and Your Next Step. This has been Your Next Step, a ministry of The Church Next Door in Columbus, Ohio. We hope this has been an encouragement to you as you seek to have a deeper faith in Christ. If you'd like to hear today's show again or share it with a friend, look for your next step on all major podcasting platforms. We'd love to see you soon at the church next door. Easily find our service times and our app. I'm Pastor Doyle Jackson. Join us again next time for your next step. I believe you're going to find people that have a genuine love for God and a genuine zeal for the truth. You don't have to dress super fancy. And it's so lively and it's so much fun and just you leave like, oh, so refreshed. And I know I keep saying family, but that's what this place is for me. It's family. I'm Doyle Jackson, pastor of the church next door. People keep telling me how good it is to worship God together again. Well, come join us. Visit us online at thechurchnextdoor.org. Stories are a way we relate to one another. It's hard to underestimate their importance. Wessler Media is here to help you preserve those stories that you hold dear. 
We'll produce a personal podcast, an audio scrapbook that will preserve those memories for generations to come. Get in touch today. Call toll-free or text 1-833-38-STORY, 1-833-38-STORY, or visit wesslermedia.com. That's W-E-S-S-L-E-R media.com. The production you just heard was carefully crafted at the studios of Wessler Media. For more powerfully engaging podcasts and other audio content, visit wesslermedia.com. Stories of overcoming adversity, intense and unexpected twists and turns, education, encouragement, and plenty of those, did you hear that, moments. Hear more and talk to us about creating your own podcast, from large and detailed projects to smaller, more personal-sized productions. That's wesslermedia.com. W-E-S-S-L-E-R-Media.com.